Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. Obviously, the big thing we talk about with the Game Time app is the ability to buy a ticket in two taps, the panoramic views uh, of your seats for any event you go to. They've got every sport, MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, concert, theater, whatever you want. And now Game Time is hooking up for the holidays with a $10 credit. So here's what to do. Download the Game Time app in Google Play or the App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, and under the Billing section, redeem the code THEATHLETIC. All one word. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC. All one word for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first thousand who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. We want the Big Ten Championship, and we're going to win it as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. When the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Run Past Michigan, our RPM podcast here on The Athletic. It is the holiday season, almost Christmas time. I am Nick Baumgartner, along with Austin Meek. Austin, how are we doing? Good, Nick. Uh, just uh, yeah, finishing up the last-minute Christmas shopping and uh, knocking out a podcast here before the holiday. <laughs> no one has made their trip to, uh, you haven't gone to like Meijer or Walmart or any of these places on these short days yet? Uh, I don't. Actually, my wife is there right now with, oh, with the children, so... Uh... <laughs> Knock on wood, we will not get the uh, the crying baby in the background of the podcast today because I think it's going to take them about seven hours. To get seven through. hours to get through there is right. Uh, they're going to be stuck there for a while. Uh, you might be stuck there too, but if you're jammed in there, you can listen to our podcast here uh, every week on the Athletic. Of course, we've enjoyed it all season. We've got a few more for you. Uh, but today's show, Austin, we thought we would do before the uh, the bowl game. Obviously, Michigan's going to leave for the Citrus Bowl. I want on the 26th, so we figured we'd do some uh, end of the season recaps here. Yeah, and we've uh, we've got a list of uh, awards to give out here. This is uh, this is not the Shemmies. Uh, this, <laughs> this is our own version. Uh, a few uh, serious ones, uh, a few funny ones here. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna just uh, start at the top here uh, with cool. our offensive MVP of the season. Uh, who, who you got for that one, Nick? Yeah, I think it has to be uh, Shea Patterson, right? I mean. Uh, I think Jim Harbaugh has called him record-setting quarterback Shea Patterson now for like three weeks. I think that's like a design thing he's doing or something. I don't know. He keeps saying record-setting quarterback Shea Patterson over <laughs> and over again, which has been interesting. But uh, obviously, yeah, he, and he had he had such a great finish to the year. Uh, got his stats here, 2,828 yards, 22 touchdowns, six picks. I mean, not inconceivable that he'll finish the season with that 3,000-yard that 3,000-yard number we talked about all the way back in August where there were times in September and October where we were like, well, that's insane. There's no way he's going to get close to it. Um, not inconceivable, I guess. It would take a heck of an effort to get to the 25 touchdowns. But uh, at, at worst, he's exactly the same as he was a year ago, which was, I thought, a pretty good year. And in reality, I think he's probably better uh, considering the injuries and everything else he kind of went through. So I think it has to be him. I thought, that, I thought this was a strong senior year. At least a strong close last six games to senior really changed there in that uh, that uh, Penn State game. Yeah, I, you know I think with the uh, the importance of the quarterback position, it, it's hard to go wrong with Shea Patterson. Uh, but for the sake of some uh, some uh, diversity sure, here yeah. of answers, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Ronnie Bell. Uh, oh, I feel nice. Like Ronnie Bell uh, was just you know so consistent uh, from from day one until the end of the season. 
you know, came up with so many big plays. Uh, didn't know exactly what you were going to get from Ronnie Bell this year. A lot of buzz about him uh, in in preseason camp, but a guy who hadn't played a ton. You know, he ends up with 700 receiving yards. He caught 44 balls. Uh, you know, just just the one touchdown. But a guy who you know made so many plays that aren't going to be like you know, necessarily, you know, the, the biggest highlight of the season, you know, a lot of times it was like a, you know, like a third and 10 and he'd come up with Mm -hmm. 11 yards over the middle. Uh, just, you know, a a really consistent player, uh, and a guy who, you know, you take Ronnie Bell off of this offense. Uh, and I, I think you really, I think you really would have missed him. There were some guys who had some really good moments and some really nice moments and maybe, you know, disappeared in some other moments, whereas Ronnie Bell, it's like every game it seemed like he came up with with a couple plays that were really important. Yeah, 44 catches, 705 in a touchdown. I think that's hard to argue, right? I mean, I think that he would be, he would certainly have to be in the top three of your discussion because that's a great point by Austin. If he's not on the field for some of these games, maybe some of these wins are a little closer and maybe some of these losses that they had might have even have been a little more difficult, right? Because he made some catches that kept some drives alive, um, I think a lot of people remember that Penn State drop, but I mean, there were so many plays this year that I kind of wonder now, you wonder what's he going to be like? He's got two more years left. I mean, what's senior Ronnie Bell going to look like if, if that, you know, if that all goes the way we expect it to go? That would be uh, rather interesting, but a good uh, good thought nonetheless. Defensive MVP, Austin, uh, is this one a little harder maybe uh, to pick? Yeah, it was hard for me. You know, I, was, I was going back and back and forth on a couple different guys. Um, you know, I... I think I'm going to stick with the guy that I said w- when I was doing this mid-season was my choice. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to stick with Aiden Hutchinson. You know, I, I really debated Hutchinson yeah. and, and Josh Uche. Uh, yeah. Both of those guys, uh, you know, really you know, ha- had an impact in different ways. But I just thought, you know, Hutchinson was, was so consistent. Um, you know, another guy kind of like Ronnie Bell where, you know, you take him off the field um, – he didn't necessarily have like the you know the, when you put together the highlight reel, maybe right. not as many of those plays as some other guys had. But if you take him off the field, you just you would have missed him every single game. Uh, mm-hmm. Eight and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. Uh, you know, pl- I don't know what percentage of the snaps he played this year, but it had to be you know among the highest in in the front seven. Just I thought a really uh, steady and and consistent year for Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, I think that I might. I, I've been thinking Uche, but I think I might actually agree with you, Austin, and, and go. Uh, the case for Uche would be that you know he wound up playing so many different positions, or like you know that that what do they call it, the shark, where he's covering, mm-hmm. he's pass rushing, and he's trying to defend the run. And I think it wound up being toward the end of the year about what I thought it would be is if he had been doing that the whole season. But for whatever reason, we didn't see that for the first couple of weeks. So I think in, in some ways you can make that case. But I think Hutchinson was probably the most consistent uh, player where you would say, okay, like the opposing team, you know, which which guys are you offensively really worried about? I would think Aiden Hutchinson's name would be on the list for every team they played all season toward the top. I mean, I think because he was probably the most difficult to block up front. Uh, You finished with 63 tackles as a defensive lineman. Um, That, to me, is always super impressive because half your job half the time is is setting the edge and making sure that somebody else can come in and make the play. But, I mean, he's he's almost got as many tackles as Jordan Glasgow. I mean, that's that's Mm -hmm. beyond impressive. Um, I think he's going to be an outstanding player here. I think that 
you know, by the but the growth we've seen from Aiden Hutchinson in the first two years, um, it wouldn't shock me if Aiden Hutchinson is in a position to have NFL scouts looking at him at the end of next season. Uh, you know, if you're Michigan, obviously hope he stays for the full four years, but he has grown at such a rapid level, and I think that next year he has a chance to be one of the best defensive linemen in the Big Ten, and um, you know that's a pretty good thing to build around for sure. Yeah, when we talked to Braden McGregor last week uh, at his signing ceremony, he he said, you know, we're looking at it like Aiden's going to be here another year and then yeah. pass the torch potentially. So that yeah, yeah that's yeah. It speaks to uh, you know speaks to uh, the season that he had. Okay, let's move on to uh, our our breakout player of the year. Let's start on offense. Uh, who's yeah. your breakout guy on offense, Nick? I think I had Ronnie Bell, um, yeah. and I think that you know that was kind of the one. But I think if you look at it beyond that, I would say probably Hassan Haskins because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to cheat because we already used Ronnie Bell, <laughs> so I'm going to use Hassan Haskins. Um, you know, Charbonnet would be the one where you'd say, okay, he was probably the best freshman they had in terms of production. But when the year started, I really don't think any of us thought Hassan Haskins would be doing anything. I think that you know my whole thing the whole season was or the whole off season was people are more worried about that lack of running back depth and they need to be. I thought the running back depth would be fine uh, given how the offensive line was. And I think we were kind of proven right on that. It was just that Haskins instead of Christian Turner sort of ended up being the guy that, you know, took over and and became kind of the 1A or 1B, whatever you want to call it, with Charbonnet. And, you know, together they had, you know, 15 touchdowns together, 1,200 yards, 13, whatever it was. And, you know, now you're looking at a player as a redshirt freshman this year that has got several years left to play and all of a sudden looks like, you know, a guy who could be a you know pretty sizable weapon weapon for them all the way through. I mean, you, we want to talk about guys finishing the Ohio State game. Hassan Haskins, other than missing that hole, which was a mental error, mm-hmm. uh, ran his butt off in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was one of the few things that you could look back and say this guy's playing all the way to the end. So I think uh, I think maybe Hassan Haskins would be the guy there. Yeah, that was the guy I had too. Yeah, uh, you know, he finishes with uh, five sixty one uh, on the ground for the season. Yeah. Uh, Zach Charbonnet led the team with 642 yards. Uh, I guess we'd have to look back. Gosh, uh, that I wonder if that's like the lowest uh, total for a guy who led Michigan in rushing in a long time. Uh, pretty balanced, be, yeah. pretty balanced. You know, r- rushing attack with those two guys. Uh, but also, I mean, Charbonnet accumulated that over the course of the whole season. Haskins really basically yeah. played like half a season. I mean, he played a little yeah. bit in in the beginning, but it was really that Illinois game where he stepped in there and it was like, oh, wow, this guy yeah. is a factor here. Uh, five and a half yards a carry, uh, that, that's a nice number. Uh, yeah, a guy, uh, a guy where the, the arrow is definitely pointing up for him. And as you mentioned, uh, he, was, he was kind of on the fringe of the conversation going into the year and ended up being uh, right, right in the middle of that running game for Michigan. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's go over to the defensive side and uh, uh, pick our defensive breakout player of the year. Uh, this may be an easy one. We may both have the same guy. I don't know. Uh, to me, it's Cameron McGrone pretty yeah, easily. Yeah. Uh, you know, a guy who was not like buried on the depth chart going into the season, but was not a starter at the beginning of the season. Right. Josh Ross gets hurt. Cameron McGrone comes in, plays uh, against Wisconsin ends up becoming a starter for the rest of the season and just really, you know, just a guy whose trajectory really took an upward climb really fast. Uh, we saw it basically from the moment he got in there against Wisconsin that he had some uh, some physical abilities that I, I don't think anybody else had at that position for Michigan, became a really big part of that defense, and now looks like really a, you know, a, a building block for Michigan moving forward. 
Yeah, a guy that we got so many questions about after, I guess it was probably the Iowa game. Like, you know, why wasn't this guy starting when the year started? So whenever you get those questions, it's probably a, means the guy's playing pretty well because we get those pretty much annually. There's like middle of the season. It's like, why the hell? Where's this guy been for the last however many weeks? But I mean, he was definitely, you know, a guy once they finally trusted him to get out there and, and really start making plays. Um, just a natural inside linebacker, right? I think that all the people that wanted to say he's like the second Devin Bush or whatever, I, th- I still think that's unfair uh, because Devin Bush was, was something pretty different. But I think that certainly Cameron McGrone now uh, is a player that you can pencil in for the next two years and say he's the starting middle linebacker. They're going to have to figure out what to do with other people around him. That's fine. That's, a, you know, Josh Ross, a good problem to have. I don't know what they're going to do with Josh Ross. They think he's still a good football player. They can maybe make him a will or something, but, you know, Cameron Grone has, has earned his right to be on the field and uh, to be an every-down player for them from here on out, and I think that that's uh, a very good thing. Really, really above uh, above where a second-year linebacker probably should be, really, to be honest. I mean, he was uh, uh, intellectually, you know, IQ-wise, uh, up there toward the top. Uh, high point of the season. Um, I think there's probably a couple answers here, Austin, but maybe maybe there is one obvious one, but, but I don't know. What, what do you got for the high point of the season? Yeah, I was going back and forth between two of them. Uh, yep. I, I think there's kind of two choices. I'm going to go with the Michigan State game uh, yep. because I feel like, you know, it was, it that was really, you know, there was a steady buildup to that moment from uh, from the second half of the Penn State game, really, yep. uh, until the Michigan State game. I thought that, that Michigan State was the best we saw Michigan play on both sides of the ball for 40 minutes this year. I know Michigan State is not great, uh, mm-hmm. maybe not good. Uh, that's that's a factor in there. But I thought that was the best we saw of Shea Patterson. Uh, yeah. That was the best we saw of, of Michigan's receivers. I think that was as good as we saw Michigan's defense play all season. So I, to me, that was really, that was really the peak of, of what we saw this year. Yeah, really. I mean, you, you, that's probably the obvious one. You could also say, you know, the Notre Dame game in general, I guess, um, is maybe the most complete thrashing they had of a good team. Um, mm-hmm. But then really, I mean, really, if you want to get nitpicky, I mean, you could say, you know, the third quarter of the Penn State game. I mean, when you're when you're yeah. down, what was it, 28 or 21-7 or whatever, and it, you look pr- pretty much hopeless. And, and then for really the first time all season, what was that, on October 19th, uh, we saw them come together and play like the team that we thought, we would see all season, and that's sort of a microcosm of how the year went. But it, it is reality. I mean, they went for the third, the third quarter, and most of the fourth quarter, they completely handled Penn State in their own building. And if it hadn't been for this nightmarish first half, you know, I mean, that's it is what it is. But that's a couple of arguments there. But I think, yeah, we, we would be in agreement that uh, probably mid October through mid November was a pretty good month. Everything else, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe not so much, uh, which I guess brings us to the low point. Uh, a couple of options on that one, too. Yeah, I to me, I got to go with probably halftime of Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, oh well, boy. Know, yeah. What was it? What was the score? Was it 35 or 28? Nothing, I forget. 35, nothing, I think. Yeah, or at least it was yeah. maybe maybe 35 earlier in the third. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Uh, yeah, that was that was as bad as it got uh, for sure this season. Um, you know, I, I guess uh, I guess you could make an argument too for Ohio State, but yeah, you, you saw that one coming. I mean, at least yeah. you knew it was possible. Uh, I don't think anyone really saw that coming at Wisconsin. Uh, you know, and I mean, n- not a shock that Wisconsin won that game, but just the way Michigan was dominated in the first half yeah. of that game. 
uh, given the fact that, I mean, that was really the moment where you had to take a step back from it and say, well, whatever this season is going to be, it's not right. going to be what everybody thought it could be. Uh, you know, winning the Big Ten, making the playoff, all of that stuff. Uh, we gotta, you got to put that stuff out of view right now because that, that, was, that was pretty bad. Yeah, I think most people, most fans would probably point to the Ohio State game, but I think I'm in agreement with you, Austin, because I think that, you know, and I, I'm having a hard time, like, coming up with new ways to write this, because I think I've been writing it for, like, three years, but <laughs> the program, the program is, you know, and, and most people will point at, you know, the Ohio State thing, you know, okay, the talent gap is such a big deal, and we've talked about this, it's a big deal, don't get us wrong, it's a big deal, but, you know, the Wisconsin game, to me, was really the the one that that really shines, or, you know, not shines, that's probably the wrong word, but really comes through as uh, as the example of the program not being, you know, organized enough, not being polished enough, not being, you know, not getting rid of enough of the, uh, of the sloppiness uh, that sort of keeps them in the situation that they continue to be in, which is, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, this this should not have been a 9-3 and three football team. That team could have still gotten blown out by Ohio State. This team should not have been 9-3. and three. This was a ten and two or eleven and one roster all the way, and they underprepared and un- and they were not ready to go in September, and they paid for it dearly. And I think that that is, to me, that first half at Wisconsin through the third quarter at Wisconsin is the great example of what is really standing between Jim Arbaugh taking the next because the next step here isn't beating Ohio State. I don't think the next step is getting yourself in position to where. All right, at least you're the unquestioned number two team in the Big Ten because that is not true today, and we've had a lot of people tell us that over the last month. You know, well, 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 we're just the second best team in the Big Ten. What's wrong with that? I'm like, well, you're not the second. <laughs> you were not the yeah. second best team in the Big Ten. You were the fourth, and mm-hmm. you were the fourth by a pretty. I mean, you want to talk about Wisconsin by a considerable margin. So, those are the things that kind of stand out to me still, and that's something I want to see when we watch them play in the Citrus Bowl, even in a game where they seem to be sort of excited about is are you going to be able to do the things against a team that always does the little things uh, to make sure they're in, in position to win. So I think the Wisconsin game, the low point, the worst they've played, that's the worst they've played, I feel like, uh, that half probably in the Jim Harbaugh era. And that, that includes the two disasters uh, against Ohio State because even in those games, they were at least putting up some points. That was a 35 nothing, whatever it was, for however many mm-hmm. minutes. That was about as bad as it gets for sure. Your sweatpants are on for the day. You're sick of microwave leftovers and frozen pizza. Enter DoorDash, restaurant quality food with a living room dress code. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, order your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code RPM. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code RPM. Don't forget, that's promo code RPM for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Yeah, if, if Michigan had played against Ohio State the way they played against oh my Wisconsin, yeah. it would have been 66 to nothing. Uh, you know, Michigan yeah. uh, had to make significant improvements uh, from where they were against Wisconsin to where they finished, even to, you know, to lose by 30 <laughs> to yeah, Ohio State. I think so. You know, they played significantly better than they played against Wisconsin. Uh, okay, let's move on to, uh, to our best play of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got one that comes to mind, Nick? I think that uh, the one that stands out there's a there's a touchdown. 
that Donovan Peoples Jones caught. Uh, I think it was at Indiana. Uh, it was a one. I think it was a one hander in the corner of the end zone or something. It, uh, it was a touch. Yeah. It was in in that barrage at Indiana uh, when Shea Patterson had you know the big day and, and several. I mean, he had the long one to Nico Collins, but I think it was Indiana. And if I'm wrong, somebody will correct me. But there was a touchdown in the back of the end zone or in the corner that I thought was the best catch uh, Peoples Jones has made all season. You could also say in that game maybe the 70 yarder, whatever it was, to to Collins or Nico, you know, yeah. really any of Nico Collins's jump balls this year because I think they've all been pretty impressive overall. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, so the the uh, Peoples Jones touchdown catch was one that came to mind for me as well. I think I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go all the way back to the Army game though. Okay. Uh, I still think that that uh, the Lavert Hill interception at the goal line uh, against oh, Army yeah. was maybe the um, maybe the most significant play of the season uh, for Michigan because I really yep. felt like if he, if he had not made that play and it and it wasn't just him it was you know several guys on that play uh, you know m- making big plays to to make that happen uh, but. If that had not happened, I really felt like Army was going to win that game uh, because they—I mean—they had the lead. It was second half. They—they they were down at the goal line. If they punched that in for a touchdown, I really don't think Michigan was coming back in that game. Yeah, that would have been a loss. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and so to me, that was a, a game-saving play, uh, and that you know that definitely changes the complexion of of Michigan's season. Even though you know, they came out the next game and, and did not play well against Wisconsin. Uh, Nine and three with losses to the three best teams you play is yeah. totally different than eight and four with a loss to an Army team that uh, didn't end up being very good this year, right? Did, I don't even know if Army. No, uh, no, I don't. They're nowhere near as good as people thought they would be, right? That was a team that people were like, they're going to win twelve games or eleven games, and that was not. Boy, you want to? Yeah, I mean, talk about how the season would have changed and a microcosm of the season, right? Where it's like one of the best plays of the season was to avoid a loss to Army. <laughs> Just, just like, oh boy, yeah, but that's yeah. kind of how it went, you know. That's kind of how it's kind of how the year went. That was an interesting, yeah. They were, uh, they were yeah. walking a tightrope uh, a lot For of the sure. season. Um, okay, well let's um, let's pick and choose here. We got a few minutes left. We got a few topics here. Um, mm-hmm. Let's do the uh, let's do the media MVP. So uh, was was there okay. a guy this year that uh, that you really enjoyed talking to? Uh, any anybody that. Uh, yeah, you know, really sticks out as uh, a guy that we looked forward to talking to every week. I think that um, by the end of it, and this had been building maybe over the last year and a half, like John Runyon Jr.'s, if you, you had to mm-hmm. say, like, you have to, there's two guys, I would say, John Runyon and uh, Josh Metellus, that would be yeah. if you said, you have to pick two guys to just talk to, and it's just going to be those two guys. I think we would get basically everything we need, you know, everything we would need from, you know, What's going on with the pulse of the locker room? What's going on with this? I think they would be the most honest uh, with us. And Runyon, I think, has been that way for a little while. Metellus has kind of been that way for like three years. And I think that those are guys that are seniors who, when I think about it at the end of every year of, uh, you know, guys that you'll miss talking to because you you, you at least know if you have an, you know, if you have a question, they're going to give you an honest answer. Not that others won't, but those are two guys for sure, Metellus and uh, Runyon, that I would say... You know, you give one of the offense, one of the defense. Those would be the guys that you have to pick two. I would, I would go with those two. Yeah, I appreciated Runyon uh, throughout the year. He was, he was a guy who, you know, I think, I think you get this more maybe from NFL guys than college players because a lot of yeah. times I think college players are, 
I don't know what the right word is, uh, just a little intimidated or a little bit shy it's, yeah, about insecu- know, really speaking. Insecure, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe just not confident totally to just kind of say yeah. it how it is. But uh, John Runyon, you know, I mean, it, it was always diplomatic. You know, it was never in a way that was, like, disparaging to anybody. But he he was willing to kind of diagnose what was happening in a, in yeah. a candid way. Uh, in a way that you don't always hear from college players. Uh, the other guy I'd throw in there, uh, I thought Josh Uche was really good this year. Yeah. I always mm-hmm. looked forward to uh, whenever we talked to him. You know, I thought he, I thought he kept it real. I thought he was, you know, I, I thought he was honest. Uh, you know, in, in a way that that not all guys are in terms of, yeah. you know, kind of expressing his personality and you know his, you know, just his whole situation. Uh, in terms of where he is, you know, as a player and kind of what he had to do to get to, to this place and, you know, what he had to prove this year to, uh, to be able to, you know, take that next step, which he's now taken to go on to the NFL. Uh, so I, I, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed talking to him as well. Um, okay. You want to, uh, you want to pick another one here? You got, got uh, yeah, let's categories. do the, let's, let's do the thing we got right. Uh, yeah, okay. is, is there one on the top of your head that you would say, um, that when we picked with the start of the season, something that we thought we got right. Uh, you know what? Think... I'm gonna <laughs> not, not to make this like the yeah. Ronnie Bell podcast, but uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to Ronnie because I remember uh, I remember before the season, uh, kind of projecting ahead and saying, I don't know how all this is gonna shake out. But I really think Ronnie Bell is going to be a big part of the offense uh, based mm-hmm. on what we heard in the preseason. And there yep. were some people who came back and like, uh, you know, don't, don't buy into that. That's just preseason talk. Like, he's not right. as talented as these other guys. Like, as soon as the season starts, it's going to be Tariq Black and, and Peoples Jones. Uh, but, it, you know, what we heard about Ronnie Bell in the preseason totally, uh, totally carried over into the season. He, he ended up having a really good year. I think that, and this would have to be some creative thinking for mine, but it would be because it was like the tale of two halves. Uh, but the offense worked. I think that that's the thing that I'm going to take away from it the most this season. And that you know, obviously they had problems in the in September, and you know we can go back and look at all those if we want. But you know, from where they were at the end of the Wisconsin game to where they were in in the Indiana game. Uh, what a turn, even the Ohio State game, really. I mean, what a turnaround overall. And I have to just, I mean, the offense, the change they made with Josh Gaddis, uh, the change they made from everything they were doing in previous years, if they were running that offense that they ran last year, this year, this is a 7-5 and five team. This team, uh, it would have really been, maybe not 7-5, and five, but I mean, they would have gotten smoked at Penn State. Ohio State would have been worse. Uh, I don't know what would have happened in any of these other games as well. But I mean, the offense worked. And I think that that's a, it's a good sign for them going forward. I don't I don't know if it put up the type of gaudy numbers that people maybe expected or wanted, but they're going to finish the year with 3000, you know, a 3000 yard passer probably, uh two backs that are you know around 12, 13, 1500 yards whatever it is. Um, you know, not not the most explosive season they've ever had, but I think trending in the right direction and once they finally got it, you know, to where it needed to be, uh, I think that we can say that it worked, and uh, or at least it's on its way to working. Maybe I think that that would be enough to where it was. It didn't work maybe the way we thought it might. Nico Collins didn't have 1,200 yards, right? But I mean, I think overall, um, you know, and if those guys come back, maybe that's something that maybe you can see really how it takes off. But I mean, that's that's something where I'll look at and say, um, right decision, right hire. Uh, Josh Gaddis was the right guy to do it, I think. I think we can say that now. And, um, you know, all the stuff that people talked about back in January 
about how this was going to be such and such and such and such. I don't know if it all got to where the crazy people maybe thought it would be, but I think overall uh, we can probably say that it worked. Yeah. Uh, well, next on this list is uh, the thing we got wrong. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, don't, I think we. I don't think we got anything wrong this year. <laughs> you can just skip that one, right? <laughs> Mine is. Uh, I got Ohio State wrong. I did not think Ohio State was going to be. I just looked at the passing numbers. They as a team, they threw for forty-seven touchdowns and had one interception. As a team, <laughs> I, no, I did not. I I picked Michigan to win the Big Ten at like ten and two. I thought Michigan would uh, split with Penn State and Wisconsin lose to Notre Dame, and then find a way to beat a first-year coach with a first-year quarterback and a, and a roster that was changing. I did not think Ohio State would have such a seamless run. So I probably got partially Michigan starting out well wrong, but my biggest mistake this year was uh, thinking that something would be actually different and Ohio State would maybe stumble a little bit because they did not. That's what. I'll, so I'll go with that. I got that wrong a thousand percent. Yeah, and I, I think my mistake this year was I, I think maybe I uh, maybe I gave up on Michigan's offense a little bit too early. Uh, I remember yeah, fair, after yeah. that after that Iowa game, I think I, I was pretty down on them after Iowa. I think I said at that point like, you know, they may get better, but I just don't see how this right. team can you know can turn into a competent offense from where yeah. they are now. And and they did. You know, I, Shea Patterson, I did not see. That last month of the season from Shea Patterson, I didn't see that coming. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. After watching Shea Patterson against Iowa, I felt like, you know, this he's he's not even going to get back to the level he was the previous year, and, and I, I think he ended up exceeding that. You know, the way he was playing at yep. the end of the year, I think was better than anything I, I saw coming. Yeah, fair enough. I think that that's uh, that's a, that's another one to point out too, because I think we were probably in agreement right after the first month that. Uh, Maybe this wasn't. I mean, the the, philosoph- the philosophy was fine, but maybe this, you know, personnel and coaching hire and everything else. Maybe it wasn't the way it wanted to be. But I think that you know, as hard as we were on Josh Gaddis back in September, I think that you know we owe it to him as much as uh, we owed it to him back then to say that you know what a turnaround. I mean, like we said earlier, the from where they were at the end of like the Army game even to where they became, you know, when that Indiana game was going on. I mean, it was just what a turnaround overall. It wasn't enough. Uh, because the defense, and I think we both kind of thought the defense would have problems this year uh, overall with size and everything else. But, you know, the offense, I think, really flipped it on its head. And, yeah, that's probably another one where you chalk it up and say, I don't know if we were too hard on him at the time, but maybe we <laughs> maybe we didn't have enough foresight to see where it was coming for sure. Yeah. Okay, folks. Uh, well, that'll uh, that'll wrap things up uh, for, uh, for this episode of the RPM podcast. Uh, we're doing one show this week, right, Nick? So, uh, yes. Uh, this- this will, uh, this will, yeah, this will be our show for the week. Uh, folks, enjoy uh, the holiday week. Uh, enjoy some time with family. Uh, we will be back next week on the show. Uh, I will be in Orlando. Nick, you'll be uh, somewhere. Somewhere. Uh, I will in either be United States. <laughs> yeah. I will either be in Detroit, Orlando, New York, or uh, in bed. I don't know. One of the two. Somewhere, somewhere <laughs> yeah. in between. Yeah, right. uh, so yeah. anyway, hey, have a great uh, have a great holiday, everybody. Uh, thank you all for checking out the RPM podcast, and we'll be back next week.